Begin drop sequence. It's episode 40. So episode 40, mate, that's a long time for us to be chatting, isn't it? Oh, you know, when we get to episode 40 in like a couple of years' time, like literally have vivid memories of that conversation, and here we are, sat doing episode 40. Well, there we are. So, what is going to be in episode 40? First, we will go on the hobby desk. Um, so we got a bit to talk about on the hobby desk. A few different things from uh, Age of Sigma and from 40K and Necromunda, so that's pretty cool. Um, Galaxy of War. So somebody might have noticed that Shadow Spear has been announced probably a little bit earlier than Games Workshop would have liked, but their announcement was very nice, um, with lots of lovely good pictures. Uh, also, White Dwarf has seen Assassins come back into the game, and Ben and I are going to Warhammer World. We've had the invite uh, to play on Warhammer Live, and we wanted to talk a bit about our narrative story for that. Um, into the Mortal Realms, I'm still playing uh, some Mortal Realms stuff to get ready for my event, um, and Ben has basically wet himself about bouncy dice so we're definitely going to talk about that (laughs) did you find the one that bounced into your beard have you managed to locate it no i did send you a a a link actually to like this beard grooming like a straighteners for a beard (laughs) i saw that and i was like oh that would be awesome no i don't need that i don't need that that's going too far (laughs) that's going too far (laughs) but what you should do is just do half your beard just be retro amazing um so into the community uh then we will talk about the shiny competition that's coming up and uh also the grime one which voting's for uh, and all our usual shout outs and stuff and then finally the wild places so battle tech um ben another thing ben's excited about at least as excited as that beard grooming tool i would say um (laughs) wave two of terrain crate and we take a we are going to have a little chat about the other kind of scenics that are out there that you can get hold of. So yeah. I think that's everything we intend to talk about. What we actually will talk about is anybody's guess. So as has been the case for 39 episodes so far, grab your refreshments and we'll see you in the hobby desk. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 40. Um, I've cleaned my hobby desk off and put my <laughs> microphone on it yeah. for the 40th time, <laughs> which is incredible. The thing, the funny thing is that there's a, there's a story here because you've cleaned your hobby desk for the 40th time. It's the only time it gets um, cleaned. And done loads of hobby. I probably cleaned mine for about the 375th time. Um, <laughs> uh, and have not done as much. So, <laughs> something. <laughs> Neat and tidy, but nothing's finished. Well, it looks, looks pretty. It does look pretty. <laughs> so, guys, um, we've been working on um, a few things, actually, a bit of a range of stuff. Um, do you want to go first or me today, Dan? I will I will go first. It seems fitting. I've talked over you for 39 episodes, and I might as well carry on. Um, so, I finished Scar, Blood Wrath, for my AOS army. 
Um, I think I yep. only had like the blood and stuff to do when we spoke last, but he's now done. And then promptly in the first game I used him in, uh, forgot his special rule that he could come back to life. Yeah, you said that. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, it's a shiny uh, new model syndrome. Oh, well, maybe I, I must have used him before I did the blood, actually. That's why. So I did. I talked about that last time. So that's fine. Um, so he's done. I've done one bulkhead, one necromunda bulkhead. So as part of the grime uh, theme, I thought I'd have a crack at that. Interesting. Um, came out really nice, really pleased in the end. Didn't quite go how I'd planned, uh, especially when I inadvertently overworked the powders and then took all the paint off. Um, <laughs> but it's because you were using isopropanol, wasn't it? Uh, no, no, I wasn't using isopropanol. I'd sealed. I don't know what I'd done wrong. Um, oh, but I th- I thought it was because you were using isopropanol. No, I was using white spirit. Oh, well, yeah. Well, there you go. Is but I I well whatever I did I ripped it off and then I was gonna strip it and then you were like dude just weather it and I was like ah yes and I remembered those incredible terrain or effect sages the two P's saying that weathering could just be used to cover stuff up so I chucked on some <laughs> more powder <laughs> uh, and I soon got it back away well, can't really tell now so happy with that um did a bit of zenithal lighting on the light bulb. Um, which is yep. something I've not done before. So, oh no, that's not true. I did do it on the flames on my blood first, didn't I? So I did that with the airbrush. I was happy with that. Used a bit of gloss varnish as well, just to really bring out the shine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I used oils as well. I love oils, man. They just run really nice. And um. So yeah, I like that. And uh, talking about things you've said a hundred times or not said. Why didn't you ever tell me that Typhus Corrosion is amazing? It is. It is amazing. (laughs) Uh, So I tried out some Typhus Corrosion and it's amazing. Um, Yeah, it gives up such a nice texture, surface texture. And I can imagine myself like putting, blobbing it on and letting it dry and then building it up as well. Um, That's, um, it's, it's that, it's, spit it out. So the two products were made. Rise of Rust and Typhus Corrosion to work together. Um, so that's their kind of, the Games Workshop Rust, mm. um, method is to layer up Typhus Corrosion mm. and then dry brush over Rise of Rust effectively. I used the Forge World weathering powders, which they still sell. Yeah. Um, and it made me consider getting, getting the rest of, cause I've got quite a few of them, at least half of them. No, I tell you what, I don't have to make a mess when I'm using weather and powders. I came downstairs and Harriet just started laughing. And when I looked in the mirror, I had like three black streaks down my face. Excellent. I say I use Forge World, but I actually used a Humbral black one, uh, which is really good. Uh, or I, I like it anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was that. And then while I was away in uh, the wonderful country of Wales... I built five flesh hounds and um, I've sprayed them red and that's it. So I'm my hope. Well, it might be a bit of an outside hope because I'm trying to game as well this week, but I had planned to get them done in time for this event as a summoning element um, because I think they'll be effective in that. So I've got to, got to crack on with those really get them done. But yeah, that's, so that's, I think that's everything. Yeah. 
that's everything. <laughs> what about you, dude? Cool. Squigs. Um, squigs and, and doors. I totally got inspired by your door and, and just dropped everything and went and messed around with some doors. I was a bit like a, a mad scientist in a workshop. I just had all the doors and got every weathering thing I could possibly find and just messed around with them for hours. Um, mm. trying out different techniques. So, um, I got chipping fluid to work for the first time. Really happy about that. Um, probably didn't take the yellow light enough to make it really obvious, but I, I didn't want them to be bright. I really wanted them to be grimy and disgusting. There's a theme there. Yeah. We could use that as a painting competition theme. Yeah. <laughs> um, I perhaps still rubbed off some of the brown and got down to the undercoat when I was messing around. But then what I did was dry brush over with the brown so it just hit the edges again. Yeah. So it came back. Um, I've got m- most of the doors I did like that. Um, I did some with just a flat red to mess around with sponging. Um, and then some just flat metal to, to mess around with rust. I used, um, riser rust, watering it down, um, dappling and dry brushing. I've been using, it's a shame they don't make it anymore. Um, but I'm sure I can find an equivalent. Black fire earth, the old texture paint. Um, that washed with orange and then dry brushed up again to try and make a really thick looking rust, like the sort of rust that has been there for decades. I think Vallejo um, do some really big pastes in a pot. Yeah, they do. So Love I it. struggled with riser rust, mate. I tried to water it down and use it for the same thing, but I just couldn't get a consistency that always ha- like that worked. It just wouldn't flow. Really? Um, I, I, yeah. I got it going right down. Well, I'm, I suppose I'm kind of just asked. What did you do? Water it down with just with water or medium or just mm. just with water? Yeah, I'm actually thinking of getting a pot of it, scooping it all out, putting it in a large wash pot, and um, sticking a pot of Lamia medium in with it and shaking it about. Yeah, I would caution. I I, I used Lamia medium, not water, and I I struggled to get the flow. Really? So, but that might just have been me. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. Um, what else did I do? I uh, I tried some new things with verdigris. Um, used uh, calabite green uh, as a darker tone to try and get some depth to it, and then um, nilex oxide over the top flowed in and around the edges, uh, and used that as well for streaking. Uh, what else did I do? Oh, I was sold by the idea of the lights on the doors. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have bothered. Um, but now they've all got red red and green lights. I know. You've done my idea before I even got it done. Yeah. Sorry, man. I really like... I just like the idea of it being a bit like a story. Yeah. And I also think having that brightness, it offsets... It's. A, I think it's a nice counterpoint to the griminess of everything else. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And I also like the fact that there's a suggestion by doing it that... Um, even though the door looks utterly disgusting, uh, that the light still works. Um, which yeah. is so 40k, um, that somehow this, you know, the technology carries on working, even though it's decades, centuries old. And I can almost imagine some like little servo thing coming out of the darkness and changing the light bulb every few years. Um, love it. So I've got to do a couple where I'm possibly going to try and make the light look smashed because 
what I wanted to do to give it that corridor feel is I ordered some tiny little candles and I was going to stick them around the base of the door. But then um, Chris mentioned that it might it might not quite work if the door's got a bloody great light on it. So I might do a couple of smashed lights and then some I candles. don't know. I think, um, I think it's an interesting exercise to do competing light sources. Yeah, I mean, I would only do a tiny bit of OSL on a on a candle if I did it. Um, yeah, and then you'd have the the light source at the bottom and the light source at the top. I think, I think you, I think that would be quite a good, well, quite an interesting exercise. I'd probably do the one at the bottom using a brush rather than an airbrush. Mm. Um, and then and then do the light at the top over the top of it because it's a more a stronger, more powerful light. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I only I, think, you know, I, think I only zenith to about. Oh. Not even the top quarter, really. Yeah, same. Not a lot. So, anyway, I want to hear about bouncing mad things. I haven't finished my doors, dude. Well, I've finished listening. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the other thing I tried to do is graffiti, um, and I'd always thought to do graffiti with um, with, with transfers, and um, I haven't been able to find transfers that I liked. Well, apparently there is an awful lot of graffiti websites with ideas of what to graffiti, um, which <laughs> is cool. Some of the things I found on there was pretty cool. And I've, I've nicked a page, I think it's from Graffiti World or something, where they've got loads of different letters. And um, I thought they looked quite stylish. And I've put those all over the doors. And um, the idea being that they're like gang symbols or gang tags or something. Um mm. And I've done like a stylized Aquila on one of them. Yeah, I saw. Uh, so, you know, cause to them, the, the Aquila, the Imperial cult is, is, uh, is a kind of religion to a lot of them. Um, so I, I did that. I resisted putting chaos stars and Jeanstead occult symbols on there just cause it would make me feel wrong. Um, you were worried you'd get like pulled in and finally convert. <laughs> <laughs> in a proper course. Um, but the other thing I did was try and do a little story on each of them, as many it was, many as I can. So, like the little sphincter portal, I've I've called Murphy's Arsehole, Um because I just thought it'd be funny that gangs would know a place by a funny name. Um, so I'm going to create a story about Murphy who perhaps got stuck in the door or something. <laughs> um, and. Uh, I've done things like somebody writing um, Arbite suck or something, and halfway through the, the, the second word, they've been shot by an Arbite for graffiti on the door. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a blood splatter and the pen's drawn gone away. Um, it's little stuff like that, because I think, I think that sort of stuff is cool and, and very, very necromunda. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed those, actually, letting my hair down and just... Getting in a right old mess. I mean, there's weathering powder and grime everywhere on my hobby desk at the moment. It's nice to... um A good way to try out different techniques as well on some scenery, away from maybe a, a miniature that you wouldn't want it to go wrong on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking this... I was looking up online, actually. The cost of the of the barricades and doors pack is, is really not, you know bank breaking at all um i have to say two pound fifty i think isn't it yeah uh, and i 
quite happily buy another box to just mess around with to get different sorts of effects. Um, on, on, you know, try different te- techniques again. Uh, I will say though, the little barricades fall. They're like dominoes. <laughs> if, yeah. if you knock one over, they all just go. Um, but there we go. So yeah, and the other thing I did was squigs. I had a well of time doing these. Um, <laughs> I genuinely love in painting them, dude. I, I'm, I'm really glad I started with the old ones too, because there's a lot less detail on them. Um, so you have to be good at doing the, the bigger surfaces, because there's nothing to save you. There's no texture to save you. There's no little thing that you can paint over the top that will hide the fact that you couldn't blend the squig. Um, so I got to practice sort of blending my layers up. Um, and I've done it all. They've done them all a different color. They are all completely different, which took a lot longer than just painting the whole unit because, um, I literally had to do each one at a time. Um, so they all got different base coats or some have got the same base coats, but then a different wash. Um, and then I've worked my way up through different midtones, but I've all, I've done all of them with the highlights of mixed in, um, Pallid Witch Fresh to get the same tone across the whole unit. So even the bright orange one kind of links itself mm-hmm. to the, the darkest red one. Um, I loved it. Really enjoyed doing that. I think that's a really good way. Like, I think that's a great idea, basically, to, to in order to pull it together. Yeah. But still have that variety. It's similar. It's, it's like a, a more... I suppose advanced, perhaps is the word, an extra way of tying things together beyond just the bases. Yeah, like because it's a destruction like using... army. I want. Sorry, go on. I was going to say because it's a destruction army, you want variety and chaos, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I did toy with the idea of doing the goblin skin different, but I thought that would be right. a, I thought that would be a bit much. So yeah, I did all of their cloaks different colours. So they're all different shades of brown, and I've got, I've got. That's the last thing I've got to do, is to highlight up the cloaks. Um, oh. All the teeth I are think... the same, which ties them all together. Um, yeah. All of the goblin skin is the same, which ties them all together. Um, it's probably worth having it that way because the goblin skin isn't a huge part of the model, so it's just like a. You pro, you'll still have an overall sort of non-uniform look, yes. but with that that little bit pulling it all together. Yeah, and I, I really am completely set now on because the because they're older models. There's a lot bigger surfaces on the skin in a in a way. Because if you look at the new squig hoppers, especially the um, the bounders, they've all got helmets on, so there isn't a great deal of the skin to pe- to mess around with. Um, but on these, they've got these great big noses hanging out. It's the same as the goblins from uh, Blood Bowl. There's a lot of room to mess around with putting tones on their noses and their yeah. elbows. And as soon as I put the pinks onto their noses and elbows, I was like, bam, that's perfect. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> Before yeah. then, I was looking at them thinking, oh, don't really, uh, something missing. Um, but then as soon as the pink went on, I was really chuffed with that. Um, yeah, very happy. Uh, just loved painting them. Uh, next, I'm probably going to do um, the other squig hoppers to sort of bracket them out. So I've done the old and the new. I'm doing quite cool. a bit of work too. 
Um, the the new ones have got the armor plates on, and the armor plates are are going to very distinctly tie into my iron jaws because they're going to be yeah. trying to copy my iron jaws. So they're going to have the the white armor and the red armor, um, which should hopefully tie the whole thing together. Yeah. I love the idea of that. I I love the idea, particularly with the bounder ones, the ones with lances. Yeah. I love the idea that they see your massive iron jaws smashing stuff and think, right, I'm going to paint my armour like that, I'm going to be that good. So he paints his armour like that, jumps on his squig and off he goes. Ends up smashing stuff and thinks he's amazing. Yeah. It's not him, it's his squig <laughs> yeah. that's doing it all. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that's just great. It's proper goblin. Yeah, and the, the goblin army in itself will be a myriad of different colours of... of, uh, of uh, of squigs and trolls. None of the trolls are going to be the same colour. Um, they're all going to be different shades. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the different fungus is going to be bright and c- colourful, but the armour and the cloaks are going to stay brown and red and, and white to link it into the iron jaws, where very much the focus of my iron jaws was on the armour. Um, I didn't, I did spend a lot of time on the skin, but I kept it quite subdued. And dark because I wanted them to be subdued and dark. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to doing the other aspects of the destruction army. So things like um, the savage orcs, the bone, the bone splitters, with red and white battle paint, that kind of stuff. The other thing I'm going to use to tie across the whole army is all magic is going to be OSL'd with the warpstone green. Oh yeah. So that'll be across the whole force as well. So yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Even the endless spells, you could tie that in a bit. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. That's the idea. So I was, I, I really enjoyed painting them. So I, I, I know it sounds daft, but with a lot of forty k stuff, especially because I end up painting Space Marines, it's hard work doing all those edges, getting those perfect panels. You can't make a mistake with it. There's, mm-hmm. there's no room for error unless you're going to, you know weather it and work it in but overall you've got to get it right and um so it's nice to be able to relax and just sort of have such a large palette and work on ideas like tying everything together it's easy to tie a space marine army together they're all wearing the same damn armor um (laughs) you you don't have to think about it Uh, even if you get the armor slightly different shades you're you're still you know space wolf at the end of the day or or ultramarine or whatever but when it with the goblins there's so much more room to mess around with that kind of stuff and think, well, how am I going to tie this all together and still keep it looking realistic and and real and and um, and fun? Because I I really love um, Sugden's um, goblin stuff with all those colours in, just absolutely vibrant. Um, and I wanted to bring those kind of extra colours in without it stopping being my style of painting, which is slightly grittier. Mm. So I really enjoyed it, and I can't I can't wait to do the new stuff. But I'm very glad I started with the old stuff. Well, they're looking good to me, mate. Cool. So it's quite a busy hobby desk, then, really. It is, and it it is, and it isn't. I mean, I haven't done a great volume of stuff, but you know, I've done a fair bit of thinking about it, I suppose, and messing around. And I feel like it's sort of the foundation stone to move on to other stuff. Yeah, good. So we really wanted to talk about, um. The hobby article in the the scenery article in the White Dwarf, because mm. uh, I think it's brilliant, and I really hope that they do more like this. Because, um, particularly how to mess around with their scenery. Because do you remember when the um, 
so okay, let's go back to the start. It's called Creating a Battlefield. It's on page 52 of the New White Dwarf, um, which I think is a corker. Um, before it is a, a Realm of Life article. We're going to talk about a little bit later because we really liked that too. Um, but I don't know if anyone can remember back when they released the Mechanicum stuff, the Sector Mechanicum stuff. That I think it was the guy who actually designed it was posting loads of stuff on Twitter about how to mix all the stuff together. Yeah, that's right. And um, I desperately wanted them to release all of that stuff in like a, here's how to do Sector Mechanicum book. <laughs> um, yeah. And I really wish, I still wish, if anyone's listening on the design, please do that, because that stuff was gold dust. And um, it almost feels like it's been lost to the sort of timeline of Twitter. Um but this article sort of brings it back and apart. So there's a bit about how to make the crane on the kind of hexagonal walkways bit, um, using the ladders and the, the swivelly bit, um, which I thought was excellent. And, um, and then how to put together the reactor and build welding arm, just loads of really cool stuff on how to mess around with the scenery. And then a picture of the board when it's done, which is always good. Hmm. So yeah, it's really good, isn't it? I think it's so. Because really um, I think one of the things about the Games Workshop kits is um, they are. We've spoken about this before when it comes to scenery. They're they're really good, but there's all there's almost in some ways so much detail that you you get a bit overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Um, and I've always found, I've always done this, and I suppose other people are a little bit more adventurous than I am. But when I buy a box set, I tend to the first time I build one, um follow the instructions exactly um i don't so much when i'm doing the space walls because i'll maybe swap like a an arm for a space wolf arm or a head for space wolf head but essentially i'm still following the instructions and when it comes to the scenery i'm certainly doing that um just to see how that kit goes together and uh, i did it with the kill team scenery and you know which is the new kind of basilica stuff you then kind of want to get all of the boxes and just shove them on a table and go nuts, um, don't you? You do? Yeah, oh, definitely. And I know, like, the original Cities of Death stuff was really fun for doing that. Yeah. Um, I think the only downside was, and, and I suppose this is down, it depends where you're coming from, but you tend to need to outlay quite a bit or get together with people and outlay and have a lot of kits. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, in order to get the best out of that situation. Yeah. Um, you know, so... Hmm. What I've been doing is um, buying little bits every every month. And yeah. it's building up in a pile on my table, which is <laughs> overwhelming me a little bit because I think, oh, crikey, I've got to paint all this <laughs> at some point. But um, <laughs> um, I'm also, at the same time, the idea is to do exactly that, to have it all in a massive great big pile and then just throw it on the table and go crazy. Um, so, yeah. so I come up with different things. Um, so yeah, this article, um, I really want to see more of it. Um, and if they release it eventually as a how, how to mess around with Mechanicum stuff and hopefully Basilica at some point too, then I'm all for that. I think that'd be brilliant. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see more. Well, we've seen quite a few articles like that. So yeah. And with the new format of White Dwarf, there's a lot more room for hobby content. So. Yeah, I think we'll see some more. Be good. I also liked how they them talking about how they painted the stuff. Yep, 
some really simple techniques in there. Um, yeah, and I think that's I think that's often the case. Um, you see things in White Dwarf and and what have you, and you think, "Whoa, that's amazing!" And in some cases, yes, the the skills are stunning in there. But sometimes it is it is about the techniques, and it just gives that overall effect that is really nice. Yeah, I, one of them, I think. I'm not sure it's this article, but is it this article? I think it was. Um, well, it might have been at uh, at um, Warmerfest last year. The guy was saying that he just mixed up a bottle, a spray bottle, of Mournfang Brown and, and Lamia Medium, and then just sprayed the whole thing with it. Yeah. The whole thing, to tie it all together. So I was like, it's genius. <laughs> yeah, well, I, so I used to do... So when I used to do my... Um... When I was doing my salamanders, this isn't scenery, but models, because they were on a, the bases were like ruined building bases. Yep. And so I used to get a very watered down Mechanica standard grey right at the end. Last thing I did before I varnished them and just dust it across the whole model. Yeah. Um, And it just tied everything together. I like your salamanders. Hmm. The last of your... Loyalist forces, Dan. Shame they're not world eaters, really, but yeah, <laughs> they're cool. So, shall we? Um, shall we head into the galaxy of war while it's still there? Yeah, let's do it. It's been crushed by the uh, forces of the true powers. Yawn. <laughs> <laughs> right on. See you on the other side. to the end of your time. Enjoy the galaxy of war while it lasts, for chaos is upon <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's uh, clearly Nurgle chaos that is upon you. So nothing much has happened in 40k <laughs> today, so we should just move on. No. Yeah. Yeah. Shadow Spear. See, interestingly, right, okay. I'm obviously really excited because chaos. Um, I'm more excited by what's not in the box than what's in the box. Because I kind of guessed or had seen glimpses of what would be yeah. in the box. Okay. Um, and there's there's been sort of indications that there's going to be a whole load of other chaos stuff and that isn't appeared in that box. And I want to see that stuff, which is typical, I suppose. It's, it's always that thing. As soon as we've got the new thing, we're waiting for the next new thing. Um, but uh, my goodness, what a box! It's really it's nice. one of it's again. It's nothing in it. Where I look at it and think, oh, I've already seen something like that. I mean, this, the closest you can get is that the Black Legion had a couple of Black Legion models a couple of weeks ago or months ago in Blackstone. Yeah, that's it. Everything in that box is completely new and. As course, as such, because it's completely new, some of it's divided opinions. <laughs> but, but my, I oh, yes, love it. It always will. I absolutely love it. I love the chaos, dude. I don't know how to say it any other way than, oh dear. <laughs> I am now looking at my Nurgle and thinking they're going to be Black Legion, definitely, um, <laughs> in their own little way. I think just so good. So good. 
And I haven't seen two of the Chaos models are the same. No, no, I can't either. I suppose this... <laughs> is it a new starters box set? Is it replacing um, Dark Imperium? Because a no. lot of them look like single-piece models, dude. As an e- Yeah, but maybe they are. They they might be, but Dark Imperium is the starters box. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's not got a rule book in it for a start. No, that's very true, but uh, it it feels like the models are almost like the second one. I don't know. They look multi part, like I was in easy build ones, but if they are, I can only see it, and that's the flying gun dudes from the Primaris. It appears like the squad member is the same. It's got a sergeant and two of the other guys. Uh, yeah, I love those. They are ridiculous, but I love them. They're the ones I think which have divided the most opinion. Um, yeah, I I'm actually on the fence with them. I think the auto cannon is a bit ridiculous, but I can see what it is. I mean, they they've got so much anti grav stuff on them. They are rapid fire support, but I. They are, in essence, a land speeder without the land yes, speeder bit. They're pretty much. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. the only thing I'm not sure about with them is I don't really understand why. Why they exist compared to, say, um, the Inceptors. What role do they perform that the Inceptors don't? Because for me, it's not about really a, only about the model. It's, a, it's about how they fit in the Space Marine combat ethos. What are they doing that an Inceptor isn't? Why could you not just stick two massive well, auto guns on the arms of an Inceptor and, and do that? It, I don't know. Maybe there's more recoil in an auto Yeah, gun. I guess. I, we'll find out. It'll be it in will. the book. Um, that's, my, that's literally the yeah. only thing in the whole set where I'm a bit like, yeah, what? Um, otherwise, oh my days, those scout troopers, dude. <laughs> Have you seen the one that's like dropping yes. a grenade? That's yeah. going off. I just yeah, think they're stunning. I think they're so good. Clever. Very I'm already clever. trying to work out how to turn them into like, I don't know. Would they be space for scouts, or would they be something completely different? I don't know. I don't know, dude. It's just so, <laughs> they're <laughs> so good, me. though. I mean, there's so much about them which is so tactical and so modern and so. I mean, like the the apothecary's got like a little arm thing, you know, just little sort of stim pack thing to sort of keep guys going. Yeah. Um I say they're superb. And all the scopes and the head 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 cameras and Yeah. I'm so excited about them. I really, really am genuinely in love with them. Yeah, they're really nice, aren't they? They do have that special ops type look, don't yeah. they? And I'm gonna do them in the grey and black of my Reavers as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So so a couple of things that I thought I'm interested to see how it plays out. So the second obliterator. So we saw the first one ages ago. Well, not ages ago, but a while ago. Um, I'm not as keen on the, the second one, but... Really? I like it more. Do you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I really do. Well, yep, it'd be interesting to see see it in the flesh, as is always the case. Um, I really like the possessed models, um, but I'm intrigued by the fact that they're called something like greater possessed and they appear to be at least in the setup of the army, like the overall thing, 
Um, there's only two of them in the box. Two of them, so it's so quite I think odd. they're like independent, like primaris lieutenant kind of maybe. Thing. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. The spider thing is fantastic, really good, smaller than I expected, but I kind of like that. Um, yeah, I didn't want it to be too big, small and creepy looking. Um, yeah, really nice, really nice. Good to see. But... I didn't like the second possessed as much as I liked the first one. No. Um, I suppose one thing I am a bit disappointed about is if they are new, kind of greater possessed, it's still stuck with the old possessed. Yeah, well, I said that to Ben Chambers, but we don't we don't know at this stage. And they said online that, well, let's put it this way: Shadow Spear's been shown. But Vigilus falls in two days. Yeah. So some something else has come in to be shown. Um, obviously. We yeah, know. that's on Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Why Tuesday? It's an odd day. Is it? Is there a, an event or something on Tuesday? I don't know. Like Nova Open or something? Shrove Tuesday. Pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your pancakes while seeing the end of all things good. <laughs> you know, so that's that's the only thing I can think. Um, I love it. Uh, I I don't know what I'm going to do. Last time we spoke, I was super excited about doing a Black Legion army. Yeah, um, yeah. But since then, I've reflected a bit on just how much stuff I've got around me, hobby stuff. Um, I've also been away and spent a week enjoying my other hobby love, which is trains. So I'm now sort of in the midst of re- reconstructing the railway around my garden. And, um, <laughs> which is typical me. <laughs> Only you would have. Yeah. He does actually have a railway around his garden, by the way. Yeah. Well, I don't at the moment because I took it all down because it was it wasn't very good. It wasn't very sturdy, so I'm I'm rebuilding it. But um, what I'm trying to do this time because I'm very hot and cold with things, as you know, is incorporate both. Not do them both at the same time, but try and like run have the two hobbies go on rather than just doing one or just doing the other. Because five years ago, when I went off to Wales saw all the trains and got excited, I pretty much stopped doing anything Games Workshop. Um, and then eventually I stopped doing anything Railways and blah, blah, blah. So I'm trying to do it the same. But anyway, why is this important? Um, so Shadow Spear, really nice box, really like the models. But I've got a lot of corn stuff still to do. And I know that for Age of Sigmar, there's, corn, there's an actual corn release coming out. Um, can't yes, do everything. So... We'll see. We'll see what comes out on Tuesday. Um, and who who knows? I mean, we're going to Warhammer World in two weeks. Less than two weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are. And we're going to play hobby all weekend. So And embarrass ourselves on Warhammer TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so probably, should we have a chat about that? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So we've been, um, we've said already, but we've really kind of Games Workshop to invite us to come and play on Warhammer TV. Uh, really looking forward to it. And we were asked what we wanted to do. Um, and as we said before, we will not be doing a tactical game. Um, we'll be lucky to remember the rules, I think. Um, but we are going to go for a narrative thing. So at the moment... It's more us, isn't it? It's more I mean, us. Let's be honest. Um, and, yeah. and the bare bones bit is... 
that I have captured a space wolf, um, lured him in with a, I don't know, a, I don't know, the thigh bone of something to gnaw on, maybe, and captured him. Oh <laughs> and he's being interrogated. In fact, didn't I write, I wrote a little bit of background, didn't I? And I sent it to you. Yeah, you did. Now, did I save it somewhere separately? That That is the question. That would have been the sensible thing to do. Oh, I did. Mm. I did. Right. I'm going to read this. Teeth broke as the chain axe smashed into the berserker's chest. Any normal man would have been shattered by the blow, but Kedek was simply driven back a step. His opponent came on, seeking to press his advantage. Kedek slammed his fist into the other warrior's face, crushing his nose. The other warrior staggered from the force of the blow, and Kedek swung his mace up and hammered it down onto the warrior's head. Reinforced bone was met by a sharp blade and prodigious enhanced strength. The skull shattered, blood splattering across Kadek's bare face. He tipped back his head and roared, Blood for the blood god! He turned and strode across the circle formed by his warriors to look down at the captured space wolf. Karath would have been lured by the bloodletting, and Kadek could feel the veil separating this place and the warp drawing thin as the violence around him continued. That his warriors were falling to their own blades was of no concern. Corn did not care from where the blood flowed, so long as it did. Now, Wolf, you shall serve the true power in this galaxy. Korath will seize your flesh and bend it to a form more fitting. You will serve as his vessel that he might walk across this planet and tear your weakling brothers from their battlements. As he looked at the wolf, he noticed the other warrior begin to smile. Hear that, the wolf growled. Kedek's head snapped up as a long howl split the air. The nearest warrior to him lost his head in a shower of gore as a bolt around exploded inside his skull. Space wolves were appearing around the edge of the circle, charging his warriors with fangs bared. Kadek laughed. More than just Karath would be drawn by this slaughter. So anyway, <laughs> that's what I wrote. I like that. Um, and so the, the theory goes, uh, the idea is that We've captured this space wolf. Um, there's a bit of a kind of a ritual combat going on with all the corn berserkers. Uh, and as the pinnacle of this combat, um, they're going to sacrifice this space wolf to call forth uh, a bloodthirster, Korath, um, which is the name of the general, my bloodthirster in Age of Sigmar. So the general of my army in Age of Sigmar is my bloodthirster, and that's what his name is. So I kind of like those silly crossovers, to be honest, um, it, when it comes to demons. But, yeah. of course, the Space Wolves aren't having any of that, uh, and they've rocked up and are going to try and beat all my dudes up. So we're going to use, I think it's Sabotage is the mission um, in the book, and we'll probably put, I'll probably put a little bit of a spin on it. should probably email Wade, really, and tell him this is what we want to do. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's our theory, anyway. Um yeah, I've got to think of, so I did have, oh, I even said to you about it, but I, I had a thought about how I want to do some kind of like countdown to possession, but almost like take the blood tithe point concept from Age of Sigmar. So for every unit slain, full unit, full infantry unit, probably, because it's, it doesn't seem quite right for it to be tanks. Um, it, yeah. You add a point, and then yeah. you roll a dice, and you add 
that dice roll to those points and when it equals and we'll pick a number eight would be great but i think that'd be too low so maybe like 16 the the blood firster bursts out if if you know you haven't achieved a certain thing probably 16 will probably work because that would mean even if 10 units were dead You'd only I don't know how many how many troops choices you think I've got in my army, dude. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I've got lots. I just throw my cultists in. <laughs> die, <laughs> cultists, die. <laughs> Bring about the my dude. So yeah, that's that's what we're gonna be doing. Sounds great. So that'd be good. Really does. We're going up on the Friday morning. Yeah. Friday yeah. morning, yeah. And um yeah. So if anyone wants to come and see us over the weekend and just say hi, where we are there all weekend. You'll find Dan in Bugman's with the uh, Hobbit's foot sticking out of his mouth, looking sick. Mm. Where you won't find me is at <laughs> three o'clock in the morning in Rock City on a Saturday night. Are you sure? Because there's precedent for that. <laughs> I, <know. sighs> I was listening to Kill Switch Engage in Tom's car, and I was like, "Dude, turn this off because it just makes me want to go out and rock hard," and it hurt me too much. <laughs> So, um, let's go on to... Assassins. Assassins, yeah. Um, I hate assassins. I love them. I I hate them. I hate fighting against them in every conceivable way. Yeah, but you... So, you say that, but you played against them being used in a narrative game, but in a manner befitting a tournament setting where you really don't where if the said person who was using them didn't care about the other person's enjoyment of the game at all well it was two games it won it was a tournament it was a tournament two games out of the four i played uh, had four assassins in their army and i just i didn't enjoy fighting against them um I, I, one of the things I do love about this is that you can have them as their own separate army. And Marcus was saying, oh, why would you do that? And I said, actually, Marcus, if I was to play a game against someone and they said, I'm going to take an assassin army and I want you to take your most powerful command option, I'd love that. That would be genuinely cool. Yeah, and I I didn't get involved in that conversation because I was off on holiday, but I did see it and I thought, really? So in the Beast Arises series... That is the one to read if you like assassins, because yeah. um, oh, I can't remember what his name is now. Dra- Drakan Vanderich, who's the the high lord. How did you just remember that off the top of your head? Well, because I, I just do. Um, he's the high lord of the assassin temple. Um, yep, and he's got like sleeper cells all over the place, and one of them is a cell of assassins on Mars. Um, and there's a Calidus, and there's a Vindicare, and there's... I don't think there's a Calexus. There is an Eversaur, and there's a Vanus, and a Venom. Um, and they get given, like, a kill word to go in and um, deal with uh, the situation. I don't really want to say too much. But it, it represents... You know, they are, like, their own little army. Um and yeah. you see that quite a lot. And actually, it talks about how the Assassin Temple look at having the different assassins that complement each other will go in as a kill team. The best yeah. bit is, I think the Eversaur is called Tybolt or something like that. 
and he's just in a cryostasis tube that they just wheel around with them and are like, nobody disturb it. Um, and then they let him out and it all goes crazy. Uh, as you'd <laughs> imagine. So yeah, I, that's why I like assassins. And I, what I like about assassins as well is they, they have a profile which for me fits. Um, but I, I guess they're probably best suited in my view to narrative play um because they can be abused otherwise or they have been abused otherwise i love the vindicare and his his ability to basically shoot the enemy general through the head dead because he could i uh i i love the models i love the rules i love i love the stories and background i just hate playing against them yeah um that's the honest truth i i think in a tournament it it just feels disappointing but there we go um it's like i'm funny about that kind of stuff and i know i'm not typical like i will only take one space marine captain in a however many points army it is unless it clearly exceeds enough points that i'd have i'd be drawing from two different companies um in which case i'd have maybe like a first company captain and my fourth company captain for example yeah um playing a thousand five hundred points i just cannot I can't bring myself to have more than one. That's just the way I play. And I know people play differently and I'm willing to take it on the chin and lose. Um, because I, I'm, I'm a bit of a still a maniac when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'd rather just play it even in a tournament as a narrative army and lose than, than, um, have four assassins against like a Imperial Guard lieutenant. Just seems like ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, there we go. Um, I'm, what I'm really excited about is it's in White Dwarf. There's a whole codex, essentially, yeah. in White Dwarf. Um, with a lovely kind of couple page spread on on people's assassins that they like, and then how to paint assassins to go straight after it. I think it's fantastic. Um, really, really cool. It is indeed. So, so I think, what else do we only, want to talk the about? The only other thing was that you mentioned that you'd played some games and had tried out oh, the Oh, I have, yeah, I have. I have, yeah. Um, so I've been sort of trying to ramp up the amount of 40k I play to try and uh, get ready for, to play on the television. <laughs> and, um, and I, uh, you know, was it January's White Dwarf? Yeah, January's White Dwarf, there was beta rules for bolt guns, which essentially means if it's rapid fire, uh, you get to fire it twice at long range if you stay still. Um, and boy, does that make a difference. Really, really does. It turns Primaris into something. I've always found the intercessors are a bit like meh, but now they're not at all. You know, they're doubling up what they can achieve at long range. Um, and it turns them into a real kind of base of fire unit. I think they're great. I haven't tried it with things like Storm, um, Storm Raven, where it's got <laughs> the Hurricane Bolters, which are rapid fire, and that's going to be horrific. <laughs> Um, a long range kind of gun platform of bolt guns, but, um, same with the Crusader, but, uh, I'm really, I think it's a great change. Really do. Really do. Cool. Well, I should be interested in being on the receiving end of that. So I played, um, I played two games. The first one was a simple 500 points where I took two squads of five intercessors, um, Ragnar Blackmane and Redemptor Dreadnought mm-hmm. versus, uh, a squad of cultists, two squads of corn berserkers, Khan the Betrayer in 500 points 
I mean, how? Um, and another, I think, an aspiring champion. Half the Eye of Terror, then. Yeah. Uh, this had one of the best cinematic moments I've ever played with a character, where um, I was kind of effectively charging Khan the Betrayer and threw a crack grenade with Ragnar Blackmane, took out the other guy with this crack grenade and carried on into into Khan the Betrayer. It was flipping brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. So moved, took out this guy in my shooting phase, and then charged Khan the Betrayer. And it was so, like something out of a film. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, and then Ragnar Blackmane got killed by Khan the Betrayer. That's I was going to ask. Would have been perfect if you'd beaten Khan the Betrayer, but it didn't happen. Um... And then I played uh, a 1,750 point, which is what we're playing, just to try out my army list. Um, my beautifully painted Redemptor Dreadnought died in the opening salvo. So I was what were you playing against, that. dude? Uh, corn again. Might be trying to get my hands on, have the hang of fighting corn. Hmm. But your um, brass collar of uh, of anti-magic can... Do one. Brass collar of Bobbiasta or something like that it's called. The, the, uh, relic thing yeah. that, um, causes, <laughs> if you roll higher than my cast value, uh, makes me take a peril of the warp. Yeah. Did not enjoy that. My psycho died in the second turn because of that. Um, but yeah, no, it's great to be playing quite so ugly again. It's, I always find it a struggle because, I'm always kind of balancing up between playing and painting, and I always tend to go to paint rather than play. But that, I suppose, that's we all have our own hobbies. But it's nice to get the wolves out and give them a run. There we go. There we go. That's my little ace. Well, with all of that said, um, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next time because we'll be recording in Nottingham um, the day after we play. I think. Um, <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so we will leave it there, leave the Galaxy of War there while it's still there, and uh, move into the Mortal Realms. Welcome to the Mortal Realms. 40th time in. So Dan, what were we going to talk about? Because I've kind of forgotten. 40 episodes, 39 episodes ago, you hated the Mortal Realm. I did. Well, I didn't hate them. I just hadn't got them. Yeah, you did. I've turned it into that now. Yeah. I... It's interesting, isn't it? We were sat at the club the other day talking about um, some some lad was saying, oh, I really like Horus Heresy more than 40k. It seems like the background's a bit richer. And the Marcus was like, it's the same background, dude. It's, like, it's part of the 40k background. And he hadn't really put the two together. And I said, just in a weird kind of way, Warhammer Fantasy is a bit like the Horus Heresy of Age of Sigma. Yeah. All of the Warhammer Fantasy battle stuff still is definitely happened in the background, and some of the characters still remember it. Go Trek and Felix being a perfect example. <gasps> uh, it is in a kind of its own way. It's is forty k. Is it's it's kind of it's Horus Heresy. What did I just get you to draw breath about? You just reminded me that since we last spoke, I finished listening to realm slayer go on then tell us about it oh gosh me it's so good it's so good right so i'm gonna be honest if you're listening to this and you're considering listening to realm slayer there might be a spoiler but it it 
it should be expected. Most people read books. Yeah, okay then, fine. I don't care what you think. I will tell you what happened. It's got, <laughs> obviously, it's got Brian Blessed in it. He is fantastic. Oh, it's so good, man, actually. Like, it it kind of takes you on the journey through the realms from the eyes of somebody from the from the world that was, but in a kind of a manner which is reminiscent of how people approached Age of Sigma when it came around. So, like, yeah. Gotrek enters this world. He doesn't understand it. He's totally confused. Why is there a dark elf here that isn't just being killed? Um, you know... What's, what are these dwarves that are taking money and fighting alongside chaos? He nearly flipping has an aneurysm over that. He ain't happy. Um, so, and then, but by the end, he finds there is a place in the world for him. Um, so I really like that journey. And the best bit is the absolute last line of the book. So Gotrek, basically, he's got this rune of Grungni, which is like super all powerful, and he's managed to somehow weld it into the flesh of his chest, right? He's on this fortress. Um, I think it's Hamahawakshi, actually. Yeah. And it's surrounded by chaos who are charging and trying to crush it. And he looks out and he's like, yeah, I could live here. And uh, he leaps up onto the battlements, puts his arms wide. This rune, like, glows with power. And he goes, Go Trex alive! And I was just <laughs> so happy. So yeah, Realm Slayer, really good. I bought it. I only bought it because I was so made up that Brian Blessed was voicing for Games Workshop. And I thought, you know what? If I just talk about it and be all excited about the fact Brian's, but don't buy the book, then I've not done anything to support that level of excitement. Yeah. Um. So I bought it. And I'm glad I bought it. It was really good. Yeah. Excellent. So... um. What were, we, what were we talking about before I royally interrupted you there? Oh, background. <laughs> well, we were, we were sort of talking about how 40 episodes ago I was a bit like Gotrek. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind being compared to Gotrek. But I think it's great, though. I, I, I laugh and I take the mick out of you for it. But I think it's fantastic because ultimately, you, you, and you will say this, you only didn't like it because at the time you didn't get it. And then we went to Warhammer World and you saw that massive diorama with the floating islands and stuff. And it just came to life. And I just think that's great. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I suppose I didn't... I think, for me, one of my biggest hold-ups was that it felt like there was no room in the new world for the for the normal person. Yeah. The guy who was farming and or digging his mine or... Um, and some of the dioramas had a lot of elements of that in them, so it made it look like it was a civilization that had been shattered. Or and I, and all of a sudden, I thought, actually, you know what? I they were all so different. That's the thing. Every board was so different. I was like, this this world has room for everything. You know, it's not gone. It's just different. So yeah. But that floating island, that was as soon as I walked through the door. <laughs> yes. I get it. I can understand. Because reading about that is one thing. Seeing them turn that into a, a a board like that and make it real is another thing entirely. Mm-hmm. So, um, what were we going to talk about in the Mortal Realms? We've managed so, to t- talk for six minutes without having a plan. So, 
Yeah, we did have a plan. We just haven't stuck to it. So um, I played Tom with my army, and I and I had the first out, first outing of my uh, cheat sheet come quick reference book. Yeah, uh, which I made, which I found really useful. So A5 book, pocket display book. Um, and what I've done is on the front, because you can slide something onto the front, I've put like reminders for each phase. Um, so if I just reach over and get it, sorry, I should have got it just now, but I didn't. So, <sighs> so I should probably put some pictures up actually, but essentially I just got an A5 piece of paper that says, don't forget five drops because the army for the army drops. And then I've put hero phase, uh, blood type points, command points, Lord of the blood hunt, and that the blood first gets plus two to unbind. And then in each phase, I've put some key things. So it's no surprise to see that in the battle shock, I've written at the start in bold and underlined, have eight models died, bring back Scar um, <laughs> as a reminder. So, so those are just little reminders. And then inside, I've put the war scroll cards from the pack where they're still the same. And I've printed them off from the internet for the blood letters and flesh hands because they're different. The scenery table, the triumph table, the generic objective rules, the two abilities that my general's got, the summoning costs, the blood type table. And also I've then take, cause I've taken the blood type table out of the blades of corn book, but I've then gone and got the two, um, the two or three little FAQs about it and put there as well. Yeah. And then I've got all the scenarios from the match play in there as well. Um, and then finally the army list right at the back. I've also done an A4 one with the FAQs in because the FAQs are quite bulky now. Um, so yeah, just trying to have everything to hand and be prepared. Yeah. I also ordered, absolutely didn't particularly need both of these things, but Dan has got from Pie Coal, I think they're called, or Pie. Cry coal or something. I don't remember. I'll do a link, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a red, it's like, it's nine inches long, so that, because things obviously can't come down within nine. Yeah. So it's got a nine inch edge and a three inch edge and a two inch and a one inch, I think. Um, but I got that in a sort of a translucent-y red colour. Yeah. Um, and then because I was ordering that in red and they do a three inch long one with an inch and a one inch, despite the fact I've got the official Age of Sigma one and four from Big, I ordered one of them as well. So you've got to both have red. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that I wanted some red, some black dice to go with my red dice. Uh, my red dice have got skulls on the ones. And so I thought I better get some of the black dice with skulls on the ones. So I got some of them. Um, and I've actually magnetized the, <laughs> this is ridiculous just talking about it. So I bought a tray off Amazon. Yeah, uh, you've told us about this. But I've also magnetized the bottoms of like the dice pots so that they sit on there as well. I th goodness me. Yeah. Wow. I've actually found that having the skulls on the ones, normally I hate that, but it's really useful because I have, my general has an ability to allow things within eight inches to reroll ones to hit. And if he charges, reroll ones to wound as well. Yeah. And it reminds me. 
seeing the skull. Yeah, I I'm I am though generally glad that they've moved to have the special picture as a six. Although on my space wolf dies, there's a skull for a one and a head wolf head for a six. So Yeah, but you spent extra money to get them, so you get extra symbol. That's true. That's what the extra two pound fifty was. <laughs> yeah. So I played Tom, uh is what I said, and he used his Sylvan F. So I will say it's really nice. So Tom and Ben are coming to this event. They're both building thousand point armies. So now there's there's four of us um with our armies, as we know, because we're doing the firestorm. So it was great to play Tom. Um good game. He didn't he didn't get his uh tree Ooh, Spirit of Durfu up together, which is part of his list, so it wasn't really a true uh, showing. But those flipping Kernoff Hunters with Scythes are unbelievable. Um, they are. Yeah. Really good, really has powerful. He moved, has he moved into Sylvaneth now, has he? Yeah, yeah. He's been doing them a little bit f- for a little while. Um, oh, cool. I thought he was doing Stormcast. That's why I got confused. Yeah, he was, and Oryx. But he's um, the Sylvaneth. He's like a hobby butterfly. <laughs> the Sylvaneth. Are quicker to paint. They are, um, which is what he was looking for, really, because his first love is his his Death Guard for heresy and his and his Blood Angels. And so, when it comes to painting, he doesn't want to put all the time into something else right now. So, getting the Sylvan F up together quickly was a good one. I mean, they look good as well. He, he's used like this really vibrant blue spot color, which is nice. Yeah. Spot, um, spot colours yeah. are really important on Sylvaneth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So game, game went well. Um, victory for me, but with, with the greatest respect, <laughs> I, I'd have been disappointed not to have got that, seeing as A, I bought my list that I'm taking to the tournament and Tom didn't bring his. And B, I clearly play a lot more AOS than Tom does. Yeah. Um, but he's been playing again. Um, we've got a rematch on Thursday, and and he's learnt some things. I'm told, so I'm slightly worried. Um, but there we are. Doesn't matter. It's all warm up for. I'm hoping to get three more games in this week before this event. More just to try and like lodge things in my head. I don't mind losing, but I hate it if I lose because I forget something. Just because I get annoyed myself. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always frustrating when you're like, oh. You forgot a whole phase. I do that all the time. Yeah. I just yeah. forget the psychic phase <laughs> or the, the hero phase. Yeah. Yeah. And in a tournament, you can't really go, dude, do you mind if I go back and do that really awesome stuff I was supposed to do a turn ago, a phase ago? Like, no, I do. I must admit, without fail, in whatever setting, if I notice an opponent is about to miss a phase, I will tell them. Yes. Because it's just such a big thing that I, I almost feel... And then you could argue that, you know, that's all part of the situation, all part of the thing. But for me, I would feel wrong winning a game because my opponent missed a phase. Yeah. Because they got overexcited. And that's just a personal thing. I don't expect it in return. It is what it is. But a number of times, um, Dan will do it because he gets excited because shooting is his big thing. Yeah. So he'll yeah. like jump the movement phase or something. And I do it because I go, I jump into combat, stuff like that. So, but try not to do it. Um, squig dice, dude. I want to hear about the squig dice. Oh, okay, yeah. So the squig dice. I I don't know what I was expecting with the squig dice. Um, I suppose I thought they were going to be like the Nurgle ones, kind of like 
rubbery but not solid. Mm-hmm. Um, they are solid rubber. They are the most useless, most ridiculous, most outrageously awesome thing that Games Workshop has ever made. <laughs> They're almost impossible to see the numbers. When you when you roll them, they bounce everywhere. One of them will just randomly fly off the table. Um, but they're just fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Um, definitely not something I'm ever going to take to a tournament. Um, but definitely something I- I'm going to play with. Every time I play my goblins, they are coming out. Because they're just a hoot. <laughs> they're just absolutely fantastic. In fact, sod it, I probably would take them to a tournament because I just think that they sum up how I feel that you should play goblins, which is with your tongue firmly in your cheek. Um, gosh, I just think they're ace. They bounce. Like, if you throw them, they're like the bouncy balls, mate, that you get. They're, they go for, like, meters. Well, I did see the video. <laughs> they just sound like a child. <laughs> giggling and throwing them over and over again. It's quite sad, really. I've also seen um, a couple of ideas of people gluing them onto bases, using them as an actual squig herd, which I I think is a fully legit idea, actually. (laughs) That is pretty funny. I like that. Because if they get round squig, why can't you have a square squig? Maybe it was grown in a box. Absolutely. Grown in a box. You get those weird, like, bonsai cats, don't you? Maybe a bit like that. <laughs> I think plants as well. They do it with plants, don't they? Growing yeah. boxes. Yeah. Or fruit. You can do it with fruit, can't you? You can grow, like, a, a melon. I think you, you can pay a fortune for them. Like a square watermelon. I'm sure I've seen that somewhere. It sounds like something yeah. that shouldn't happen, but it probably does. The bonsai. Well, absolutely. It def- definitely sounds like, you know, very relevant content for the podcast as well. I haven't seen bonsai cats in 10 years. I'm very glad that that stopped, because that definitely shouldn't happen. Um, no. Here we go. Square watermelons. Square watermelons are watermelons grown into the shape of a cube. Really? Square watermelons are common in Japan, but they are purely ornamental and are often very expensive, with prices as high as $100. <laughs> Why? What? Square water- watermelons were intended to fit more compactly in fridges and be able to be cut out cut more easily without rolling away and were invented by a graphic designer. I can't believe there's actually a reason they were made. <laughs> I thought they were just because, you know, why not? <laughs> just to see what happened. Oh uh, no, it says the cost is prohibitive. Yeah, I Oh, and say. the cube shape can only be achieved at the expense of its contents. Ah. So not very To retain ever. the proper shape, square melons must be harvested before they are ripe, rendering them rendering them inedible. Oh, oh, since the advent of square watermelon, other watermelon shapes have been introduced, such as hearts and pyramids. Oh, there we go. Uh, Should we go back to Age of Sigma? (laughs) I reckon square fruit would grow in the mortal realms. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) In Nurgle's garden. Oh, no, that's more like a zinch garden. Does zinch have a garden? I bet it well, it probably does have a garden, but if, as soon as you think it's a garden, it turns into a car park or something. Yes, true. <laughs> Random zinch trickery. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is um, is Lifestone. So I got really excited about um, well, Lifestone and and what led on to after that. Um, I got really excited about these because uh, Tristan is reading and I. 
knew that by the time they come out, he'd be they'd be more than within his age range for reading. Um, but in the end, I got it as an audiobook so we could listen to it in the car, largely so I could hear the story at the same time. Ah, dude, they're great. Really good. And, and there's some obvious things that are taking out to like, like in the combat scenes, there's a lot of ducking and dodging and firing catapults and knocking people out rather than carving them limb from limb. Um, but like, there's no revving chainsaws. There's no revving chainsaws. Um, but the description of the, slave camp and what was going on there and it was quite grim it you know it wasn't um you know i suppose it's not going to be much of a spoiler but the little girls who's the main character's mum dies in like the opening chapter and i was sat there a bit like wow (laughs) that's really cold and dark and this is for kids is it um so i was quite glad to see that there was that the the grim was still there but done in a in a kind of thoughtful way they thought about it really carefully um, when the Stormcast come to the slave camp, Tristan was in the backseat going, It's the Stormcast! It's the Stormcast! <laughs> it was so good. Um, and <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it was brilliant. It's like, they're hitting him with lightning hammers! <laughs> so that was great. And, um, and then as a result, he wanted to play a game of Age of Sigma. So, um, I cracked out the old Age of Sigma. Um, I don't know why I chose to do the old one, but I figured if we started with the old scenarios book and worked my way through that and then the new one, we'd have, we'd have played quite a few games. Um, yeah. And he, the very first scenario is quite cool. It's the Bloodstoker and the weird ogre headless Korgorath thing. Um, and <laughs> Vander Hammerhand. And, um, we went through the rules and he got it actually. It got a lot of the concepts. Um, I don't think he'll remember the details, but he certainly got the idea. Um, he could be led through a game very easily, I think. And, um, it was quite cool in places. He, uh, there was one bit where I was getting to attack Vandus. Um, and he'd already lost a couple of wounds. So it was, he was within killing territory, let's say. And he was standing there going, I'm so nervous. <laughs> really cool. I was like, it's so good. It's really cool that you got into it. And then when Vandus got to attack back and stomped my dude, he was jumping up and down on the chair, screaming, and I was terrified he was going to fall off. And I was like, oh, calm down. <laughs> so it all went very well. Um, oh, that's ace. I love that. And all because of, of Lifestone, mate. Um, yeah. So, I, I Which really is think. exactly it's, what it's made for. It, yeah, and it does its job really well. Um, we haven't, I haven't finished reading it or haven't finished listening to it. Um, so I'm looking forward to sort of finishing the story. I think the Skaven are the main protagonist, which I, when I heard that the Skaven were the main protagonist, I was a bit like, why? Why Skaven? As soon as the Skaven bad guys came in, I was like, that's why Skaven, because they're stupid and hilarious. <laughs> and they're, they're, and they're also quite sinister. Rather than, like, the, the, uh, oh, the Dark Oath slavers, they, they are just as bad as they are. Then there's no funny side to them, really. Nah, yeah. Uh, and, and corn are the same. And it's the same with all chaos, really, apart from, I suppose, to some extent, Nurgle. But even then, it's still horrific. 
Whereas with yeah. the Skaven or goblins, there's a there's an element of fun about them that I think would work really well for the kids. Um, yes. So Billy Piper doing the Skaven voice, and I'm not going to try and imitate it, was quite fun. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to be listening to that over the next couple of weeks, and then probably Attack of the Necrons. I read the Black Library sort of pre-release Attack of the Necrons opening chapter, and that was quite good. I've told you about that. Um, with the Primaris and the Drop Pod. Um, so, yeah, so they've fulfilled what I, absolutely what I hoped. Um, in a weird kind of way, it clarified a few kind of minutiae points about the rules that I hadn't really realised. I suppose I knew I knew, or didn't know I, you know, things like you could only declare a charge if you were within 12 inches of the enemy, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So it's quite good actually going down through the rules bit by bit with him and teaching them. Um, I, I learnt, it sounds awful, doesn't it? <laughs> but I, I kind of got, I clarified a lot of them myself. Yeah. Um, cause one of the things I'm really bad at is when a new set of rules come out, I don't sit down and do like, like I haven't played through the Soul Wars scenarios and I haven't played through the Dark Imperium scenarios. Um, last time I did it, I think was Battle for McCrag with my brother. Yeah. Um, so I don't really get the rules and read through them. I sort of learn them off of the people around me. Um, which is a terrible way of doing things, and I suppose I really ought to learn to play properly. Yeah, that sounds awful, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, it's what you enjoy. It's doing what you is. You need to know the rules enough to enjoy what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. That's my little bit. That's me all done. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about in the mortal realms, dude? Before we move on to I the mighty community, probably wrap up the mortal realms, mate. Especially, you know, we've we've kept people hooked for long enough, especially with Tales of Square, Watermelons. Um, find out more on Wikipedia. Yeah, awesome. See you in um, community, guys. Hail once more. To our awesome community guys episode 40 um overwhelmed that people still listen more people keep listening um people follow us people get involved absolutely ben and i, I say i know i keep going on about it but blown away by the hobby group i just i turn my back for five minutes and i go back to my phone and it's like there's loads of coolness um it's it's just amazing. I love it. Um, so thank you all for that. So um, as ever, we will start with our shout outs. So Ben, you is it Instagram all from Instagram this week, mate, or have we got some more YouTube? Uh no, it's all it's all from Instagram. Um, it's it's three Instagram accounts. Um, I don't know which one to start with. Let's start with um Sam Lens, uh, who his handle is Samson Osmus. Um, all one word. Of course, we put these links up on um, our show notes and our release stuff. Um, his take on uh, Legion of the Damned really blew my mind. So, black, simple black armour, and the head looks like a flaming skull. Um, it's just absolutely superb. Um, and of course, as ever, when you see something that awesome that somebody's done, you go back... And you look at the other stuff, um, and his work on 
Russ and the Space Wolf Dreadnought, which of course I picked out, um, both fantastic. But there's some really odd, cool stuff kicking around in there, like uh, weird sort of mushroom-headed things that I, I don't know where they're from. Mike Mykonoids, Mykonids. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. It's I mean, it's excellently painted stuff. Um, a really cool account, all sorts of stuff on there. I don't think it looks like he does an army necessarily. I think he just paints what catches his attention, and it's certainly working for him. That's for sure. Um, there's some really awesome stuff on there. Um, so that's that guy. You might like his corn earlier on, dude. Actually, he's done the the Shade Spire gang. That's him. Uh for that. So the other two are both all 40k this time. So the first one is Grim Dark Jake. Now Grim Dark Jake, um, I'm really enjoying his Instagram feed at the moment because uh, it's it's very um, Blackstone Fortress heavy and orientated. Um, He does lots of really cool conversions is is what he's done in the past and that's why I got to following him. But um, he... It's just done a superb job with Blackstone Fortress. Uh, he's using scenery. He's done cool things like put the little drone things up on uh, sort of flying bases to make them look like they're all over the place. And um, I don't know whether he's bought the scenery from somewhere or if he's made it, but I just, it's just, it looks safe, it's, though, doesn't it? It does. It's just. It's, I'm so. And I love little things that he does. Like he plays his Blackstone Fortress um, on a like a nebula battle map, so that the background looks cool too. Yeah, um, behind the tiles. So I just really, I'm in oh, love with it, dude. Do you know? I completely. Why haven't I done that? I've got a battle map like for stars. I know. Oh, what a failure! And I, oh, there's his most recent one, which is. I just think it's ace. It's got smoke and everything coming through. It's just love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, he is not helping me stick with my goblins before I move on to something else. It's so good. But there we go. That's that's that one. And finally, um, K03RNL. Now this. Um, let me just bring him up so I've got him his pictures in front of me, is uh, Christoph Kiel. I first noticed this guy a while back doing just a lot of his conversion work really caught my eye. But then he started, he released pictures of this kind of, I don't know what you call them, drop infantry, made up of um, a mixture of uh, Goliath, uh, like a Necron head mixed with a Admech head, Space Marine bits, um, uh, and they're meant to be like Imperial Guard drop troops. Uh, oh my days! They're so good. I just think they're fantastic. And he's done a little drone to go with them, like a little gun drone, and they're all painted in camo. Oh and then, wow! Yes. Um, he's just done like a. You know, like the, uh, if you've seen Appleseed, uh, or, uh, Matrix, where the pilot of, like, the gun rig, like the battlesuit, mm. moves their arms, and then the battlesuit moves their arms to, like, yeah, simulate. Yeah. He's done, like, a gun suit like that with this dude with 
Yeah, that like, is immense, man. Triple linked heavy bolters. I just, I, I'm in love with it. I'm absolutely in love with it. If if that um if those had been released as models, I I run barefoot across pea gravel to get. To it. <laughs> it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I. I so both of those guys, the last two guys you've mentioned, I've noticed um, some of the em- some of the John Blanche sort of Emperor's Tarot looking, yeah, stuff. So I've I have seen online um, a movement of people who are basically shuffling that deck, taking the top card or pulling a random card, and then showing it, and then they try and model, like oh, do a that's model really cool. to represent that. So I think possibly those guys are part of that as well. Yeah. It's quite cool, yeah. isn't it? I yeah. I just I'm sorry, I've I'm lost just going through his account because um I he's one of my favourites at the moment and I I suppose it's not really hard to see why. Um I love kit bashing. Um now everything's in plastic. It it's the the opportunities are massive, endless almost. And um, I like when I saw that um, drop squad, it's like, where on earth did he get those heads from? And then when I saw that he constructed them out of two parts, that's like amazing. That's just absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> and when they're painted, they don't look like they've been mashed together out of like 50 different kits. Do they? They look like coherent, and the gaps are all perfectly filled. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's a part of a hobby that I really want to get my teeth into, actually, and go nuts, and maybe start by trying to copy that that drop team because I just think they're fantastic. Um, but yeah, definitely worth a look. Um, all three of those because I think that. Um, there's some seriously cool hobby going on in there. Yeah, there is, isn't there? Really good. Really good stuff. So, over to you for Tales over from our Hobby you. Forum. So, I've already had my moment about the Hobby Forum. Uh, and I'm sorry, guys, if you aren't in this list, because all the stuff I see is amazing. Um, and I just have a flip down through. And this time, I'm not actually shouting out any specific miniatures. Um, I suppose I am a little bit with the second one, but it's more about some of the community stuff. So the first um is for Ross. Um, so know Ross really well through you. Um, so Ross has been sharing. He's been to a curtain event and he shared some of the armies that were at that event. And yeah. I just thought that was really cool because that was seeing some hobby and thinking, you know what. Wouldn't it be great to share this with a bunch of people who might be inspired by it? And they popped up some photos. Um, yeah. And I loved it. I loved just looking through the armies, what people were taking. Uh, really interesting, actually. Owen Farmer, who um, has an Ultramarine army, and he's the manager of Games Workshop Barnstable now. But when I knew him, lo- lovely guy, um, but him and his brother were absolutely 100% Warhammer Fantasy players. And they hated 40k. They just weren't having any of it. Um, now they both love playing 40k, um, but it's just great to see that he's got this really nice looking Ultramarines army there. Um, so yeah, there were five armies there. Do check them out. Look really good. So thanks Ross for sharing those. Next up, Mike Parker. So Mike's always popping stuff up. Thank you for that. 
But he put up five um, Dark Angel Hellblasters, I think they were. I'm yeah. pretty sure, yeah, yeah. weren't yeah. they? Yeah, I was just in my head, I was thinking Intercessors or you no, know, no, Hellblasters. So, and in there, he talks about the fact that basically he was got fed up of squads taking him ages. And he talks about some of the things he changed, some of the little techniques he changed to speed those ones up and some of the things he's accepted. Um, really want to see them, Mike, when you've done their bases all finished off. Um, but they were looking good to me. And I think it's interesting to read about people having those thought processes because we talk about that, don't we, about um, ch- ways of changing your painting, speeding things up what you will accept, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's really key, and I think it's great that he shared that and shared his experience and his thought process around that. Yeah, um, agree. So definite shout-out to Mike for that. And then lastly, Dave Hardy. So Dave's put up some pictures of the first game he's played of 40K in 18 years, okay? Yeah, um, I saw that. It's you, great, isn't it? It's great, <laughs> isn't it? And you've absolutely got to shout that stuff out because it just brilliant. Really good. Met, met, I think played Death Guard. Um, had a great time. Really cool to see someone getting back in and playing the game again and loving it. So I had to shout that out, mate. Um, and those are my, my three shout outs this time. Um, so like I said, a little bit different on the shout outs this time, but I wanted to talk about those things. Um, and then we've got our ongoing painting events. So Grime is now closed uh, and the post is up. It's up as an announcement. So if you are in the hobby group, as soon as you visit the hobby group, it should come up as the first post if you haven't seen it before. Um, But you can also click over to announcements and go in there and just like the one that's your favourite, please. And we're going to announce the winner of that in episode 41. Uh, and there's some really nice entries. I was pleasantly surprised, actually, dude, because I was seeing the odd bit here and there, but I hadn't seen as much sort of talk about it as as we had on the first one. Yeah. But when yeah. I went and started collating all the stuff, and I'm really sorry if, if I've missed anyone, please let me know. Let di- Direct message me and tell me. I have looked around in the various posts and tried to catch everything. Um, but, you know, so fingers crossed I haven't missed anyone. But, yeah, I, I was really pleased to see how many entries and some really good stuff in there. Um, And then, so this month is shiny. So the polar opposite. uh, And you've put a really nice looking storm cast. Who painted that? Oh, it's Darren Latham, mate. It just makes makes me happy every time I see it. (laughs) (laughs) He's, um, he's, He's got a fantastic hobby blog, which I've linked in there called Raza something. Yeah. Um, it's got a, a stunning article on how how he approaches um, non metal metallics, and if I'm for being honest, I think there's a lot of a lot of golden demon painters that probably um, ha- have read that article to to do their um, non metal metallics. Yeah, um, I think it's a great article, and in that model. I first saw it on Pinterest about a couple of years ago. I was like, that's just amazing. How do you do that? That's voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and when I actually found the blog post, I, I've, I'm 
I've been looking at it and I'm going to follow it very carefully and because my I'm going to this year this year this month I'm going to do a stormcast in non-metal metallics. That's what I'm going to do. Um, um, for my shiny kind of thing. It's worth um, noting you don't have to do non-metal, but it's not a non-metal metallic. No, it's not. Entry. It's I mean we've already had one entry, um, which is a guy's Stellamania models where he's. I think it's the old. Um, uh, oh, what do they used to call them? Not uh, men. Uh, like it's the mercenaries um, thing for dogs of war. Dogs of War, yeah, and it's it's the uh, basically Robin Hood, yeah, and it, and it's Merry Men, um, and he's gloss varnished them, and they're shiny. I was like, yes, that's perfect, yeah, and that totally counts as an entry. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, it can be it can be anything. It can be OSL. It can be it's re- non metal metallics. It can be real metal metallics or true metal metallics. It can be um, Marcus, for example, has just got a new paint. Where you paint it on, you let it dry, and then you buff it, and it looks like metal. So, um, I've heard about that. Uh, it can be anything, anything that fits the bill shiny. Even if the model is grimy, but there's a reason why it's shiny. For example, if someone put up the Firefly crew painted, um, that would count as shiny to me because of the engineer. So. Yep, whatever. Do it. Yep. And we look forward to seeing the entries. Mm-hmm. Um, what's next? Calendar. Calendar time. So, where are we at? So we've had a curtain competition this weekend, curtain carvage, which is quite, which is what Ross has been at to see. So that's, that's been nice to see those pictures coming out of those. So, um, to make it a little bit more organised, shall we go through the different places, the different venues, um, and see what's going on there? So, um, and then hopefully we don't miss anything. So, Curtain Games, um, March the 9th. I'm really excited about this. Battlefields of Middle, Middle Earth 3. Um, effectively loving the fact that Middle Earth is being supported in local hobby venues. Um, and they've done things like that fantastic, uh, Sauron's Saruman's Tower as a piece of scenery. So I, I wonder if that's going to be finished for that event. That would be brilliant. Um, Star Wars Destiny on March the 16th. Uh, X-Wing Deluxe Wave Championship on March the 23rd. Uh, and then Curtonian Crusade, Crusade, the two-day Warhammer 40k event, is on March the 30th. Um, Quite interested in this one, just moving on to April a little bit. The Age of Sigma Six Team Challenge. Oh. Um let's have a look at that, see what that's It's the inaugural six team challenge. Teams of four players will battle to decide a winning team. We will use uh the Games Workshop's team pairing system. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? What if we could get a team together for that? Yeah. Hmm. So, <laughs> very briefly on events, I'm going to uh, this one on Sunday. Then I'm having a whole weekend away. Um, and I've got a couple more weekends booked to do a couple of things. And Harriet's soon to have a baby. So I think I'm pushing it a bit already. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, still, it's good. Terror Games. Uh, we have the Terranian Onslaught. Um, it's just gone. Um, and moving. Oh, I don't seem to have a March event up. March third, Battle Bro Down three. Ooh, what's this? My internet is so fast that you know orcs would paint them the colour of my computer. So that is a 40k event by the look of it. Yeah, 40k double, 40k doubles tournament, Battle Bro Down three. That looks quite cool, like a good doubles tournament. Uh, and then finally, um, from my side, before Dan moves on to um, Bristol Independent Gaming, uh, we've got Barb's. Barb's have uh, really picked up their events recently, Dan. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, loads of positive noises coming out about them, about how friendly it is um, and how laid back they are um, and how inclusive they've been. So really nice to hear that. Um, and the next one is an Age of Sigma one, um, Realm War Red Ruth 2. And that's on the 10th of March. Um, so definitely, um, if you're in Cornwall, please pop your head into Barb's Models and Games and support these events. Because, um, like we've said a hundred times, if we don't support our local hobby venues, um, they won't exist. It's as simple as that. Did you want to do um, Bristol, Dan? Yeah, sure. So, um, Bristol, quick rundown. So, Obviously, we've talked about it a lot. Um, March the 10th, so this coming Sunday, is the Age of Sigmar 1000 point event. There are still spaces. Um, there are 14 people signed up at the moment. Uh, I think there was 12 at the last one. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's going on. And then March the 15th, Friday night X-Wing. So that's it. That's each Friday, um, down there. Um, what else have we got here? Spring Tides 40k tournament on March the 17th. So that's a Sunday. Um, Counterattack 2019. Now, I think you need to go buy a ticket for that one, um, online somewhere, but it's, it's an epic 40, uh, an epic Armageddon event. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that, um, I was quite intrigued when I saw that and, um, I was thinking of popping down and having a look. Uh, yeah, to be just, honest. Yeah, so, why not? Poke your head around the door. Come. Absolutely. So March the 30th, there's a Kings of War tournament um, going on. And then um, the same is the big monthly X-Wing as well as on March the 30th. There's a team tournament, Bristol team tournament, on April the 8th. And I was just going to click in and double check for you guys what actually was please find to below it's a one day war machine and hordes event so if you're interested in um a bit of war machine and hordes go and do that i don't know much about i do know a bit about war machine and hordes dude i i but i don't know much about the scene anymore um um i know a little bit that's been going on from uh from ross and marcus um there's been a new edition. I think it was last year or the year before, and it hasn't gone down very well. I don't think. Um, so, but um, there's still like big events like the Welsh Open and that running. Um, I don't think the it's that strong in the local clubs down in Cornwall at the moment. But um, these things wax and wane, don't they? You know, one week they might not be doing very well. The next week they could be 
you know, bustling. Yeah. And so um, the last one to, to take us through the month, April the 7th, a big day out. So um, that is a Lord of the Rings or Middle Earth strategy battle game. Ace. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. A big day out. I love that. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Um, so Dark Star Gaming in Plymouth. Um, we have uh, X-Wing open on the 7th of March, which will be the... Uh, Actually, when is the 7th of March? The Thursday after this episode's released. So um, if you're listening to it and you fancy that, you better get your socks on. Um, Darkstar Age of Sigma tournament is running on the 17th of March. Um, and uh, Mantics Games Day is on the 24th of March. Um, and cool. Well, I haven't seen one of these yet. The Warhammer Champions tournament is also on the 24th of March. That's quite cool. Um, and then finally in March for Darkstar Games... Uh, so Warhammer 40k tournament, uh, on the 30th of March. Dark Star Games, dude, is where, um, the old Star Mountain Cafe used to be. Um, and we, uh, we used to role play him when we worked for Games Workshop. Yep. Yeah. Having a cup of, cup of tea because we knew the owner. So, well, I went, when we went in there the other day, they were having a game of Dungeons and Dragons and I, I nearly said, ah, we were the first here doing that <laughs> all those years ago. <laughs> Ten years ago, can you believe it? No. Oh, makes me old. Right. Um finally, um, because I think we are really keen to get the word out about this. So if, if you don't know about this and you're in the southwest, um it's definitely worth knowing about. Roll Dice Gaming two thousand and nineteen and the Brittle Bristol City Open tournaments is on July the ni- uh, July the sixth, sorry. Um, and seventh, it, we did an interview a couple of episodes back with one of the guys organizing it, um, John Askham, and uh, it very much go and listen to that because his energy comes across how much passion they have for this tournament, this event. Um, it's going to be a fantastic thing and we really, really need to support it because like, like everything, um, you know, if we, if we don't support it, it isn't, it isn't going to exist next year. Um, and we need it to because Southwest needs a big, big event like this, frankly. And it sounds awesome. It does sound awesome. It, it does. I mean, the pizza, <laughs> pizza sold me, <laughs> but the fact that, um, they've, they've thought about all of the things that they should have thought about and they've, they've, they've chosen the right people to get involved with it. Um, the painting aspect's been covered by, a fantastic team of painters, um, cult of painter. They're going to be doing that, and and there's Richard Gray as well, and Richard Gray, yeah, and um, we've got I think the 40k ones being run by Big. I can't remember who's doing the AOS one, but I, I, it's it's going to be fantastic, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and finally, of course, there's only one other place we need to shout out, and that is Warhammer World, and their events coming up um, in March. Ah, uh, the Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game Grand Tournament is on March the 9th. Um, the Warhammer Age of Sigma Throne of Skulls is on March the 23rd. And the Heavy Metal Masterclass Object Source Lighting. And I'm afraid, guys, if you ain't booked on that, you ain't going. Because <laughs> that sells out faster than you could possibly imagine. Um, believe me, I've tried to book on it three times. <laughs> and failed every single time. Um, but there we go. That's uh that is our rundown. Oh, one of the things that I don't think we've 
these were out, but Warhammer Fest is on May the 11th. I don't think we've called that out yet. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> we're kind of hoping it's not going to be the birthday of your... Because uh... <laughs> then, you, then you're going to have to miss it for like ever. <laughs> I might just... Um... If it is, I might just gas Harriet up some extra and just pretend like it was the 15th or something Yeah, in yeah. the future. <laughs> and she won't really remember. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, birthday was the uh, 15th. Yeah, did the <laughs> three days. Right. Um, so that's our rundown of the calendar. Um, I hope there's something in there that you guys will find interesting. Uh, it's time for us to move into the wilds. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Hail and welcome to the uh, wilds where we're going to have it. <laughs> did you get completely I confused? Did. I was like, you started with hail as if you were going to do community, and then you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it, every good sentence should start with hail. It should. You are right, actually. I think so. That should be a movement. A hail movement. I'm sure we could do an online petition for that. There's one for everything else. Yeah. I think we ought to also need to bring back the word what to get people's attention. As in from Beowulf. <laughs> um, so, uh, into the words. That's where we are, and we're going to have a chat about... We were going to talk about um, a few things. Uh, the first one, which I was going to talk about, is Battletech. So, have you ever played Battletech, dude? Nope. No. Neither have I, is the honest uh, honest answer. Um, I did play an awful lot of Mech Warrior and Battletech on the computer, which was, was like a direct port, I think, of the rules, but, um, but you weren't playing the rules, if that makes any sense. You were just, the game was direct, you know, ran using it. A bit like the um, Baldur's Gate in that, where you're actually using the, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons system in the background, um, but allowing you to do stuff. So, All right, okay, yeah. Battletech and MechWarrior is really old, long-standing um, wargaming thing with a great, rich background um in many ways, almost as good background-wise as 40k, but it just hasn't got the same amount of depth. Um, but it's, if people don't know, it's probably one of the earliest battlesuit games with a, you pilot a battlesuit and you, you fight, um, against other battlesuits. Uh, the smallest thing I think I've come across is tanks and infantry. Uh, the infantry got absolutely pummeled by, um, battle techs or mechs. Um, so mech warrior, um, I've got the old rules here, actually, because I did pick them up a while ago. Um, oh, Total Warfare I got. I don't know if that's the last edition, but it was a while ago when I got it. They didn't intend to play it because I've got a few of them kicking around, but they've released a new box set called Battletech, uh, a game of armoured combat. Now, it's looking like it's not a great change on... The rules. It's just a repackaging with some new models. Um, yeah. So it's a new edition of the starters kit. Um, so yeah, there's no change in the edition 
um, and the rules from the previous edition, effectively you'd still be able to play the the 90s game. It would be virtually identical to this, but I, I imagine there might be some little tweaks. But from what I've heard, there isn't any change to the rules. But it is um, a number of different boxes. And what I'm quite excited about is there's, there's quite a few different sort of um, starting points to it. So there's the book, the primer kind of book, um, there's a small sort of small box with a couple of mechs in, and then there's the larger, the larger box, um, which has got a number of them in. I think it's about five or six. Right. Uh, let's just bring up the picture. Yeah, there's five in it. I uh, know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight in there. Um, a couple of battle mats and all the stuff you need to play. Um, I'm really excited about this because I like Battletech. Um, I think the the fact that the models are have been redone. They look like a single piece. Um, they look pretty good quality too. There's obviously when they've been painted up and somebody's had at them with a modelling knife, you can make even the worst models look good. But um, uh, they look really good in the pictures. Uh, I'm I'm generally quite excited about this because um, it's a small model count. The scale is different from 40k, so you'd have to redo some of the scenery, but. It seems to me like it's quite a small buy-in and um, a great universe and a great game system because, it, I mean, it's, it stood the test of time, mm. Battletech, really. If they haven't changed the rules, then that says everything. Um, mm. So I'm really excited about it. I think it oh, certainly it looks interesting and I, and like... Is a mech, there's a mech called Timberwolf, is there, that right? Yeah, there is. It's um, one of my favourites. And it, it, mainly because in Battle Mech 2, it was, um, it, it, it was the, in the opening movie thing. I just loved yeah. it. It was great. Um, I think it's, it's interesting because like that is just in my head. I've never played Battletech. I don't really know anything about it, but I know yeah. that term. Um, but, I suppose for me, like it's great to see it, and and it's, I'm glad to hear you're you're excited about. It, but it's it's another sci-fi universe when I've already got one that I haven't got the time to fully explore as much as I'd yeah, like I know, to. But I mean, it's it's um, it's not, yeah. But that's not uh, for this for me because the buy-in is so small. I probably, I mean, for example, the beginners box is is twenty dollars, dude. Is it really? Yeah, and that's got um, it's not got a lot of models in. It's got. Uh, Two mechs and all the stuff and a playing mat, um, but you know the even the sort of normal box set is only sixty dollars, which is what forty something quid, um, and that's got rule book and everything in, um, and those eight models. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I I really hope that uh, this time the the products stay around because the box sets haven't before and. It's, I think this is a kind of a, a relaunch essentially, um, with the miniatures to try and try and get a product out there that's on the shelves that people can pick up, rather than having to find the book mm. and go to all these different sources to get the models. So, um, yeah. So there's that. Um, that's that. What else will we talk about? Are we have to go back and listen to the intro again. No, so wave two of Mantic's terrain crate. Is that a Kickstarter? Ah, It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. And is it live? Um, I believe so. Yep, Kickstarter two. Um, Yes, it's live. Launches at 8pm on February the 21st. 
Um, there's some super duper stuff in this dude. Um, so there's three new, three, one, two, three. Yeah, three. Three new kind of ranges. Um, Bleakwood Hall, uh, which is kind of a horror thing. Uh, there's loads of kind of haunted, spooky looking stuff, but not only have you got trees, you've got graves, but you've also got like a little statue. Haunted, haunted house sort of furniture as well. So, um, I'm sure there's plenty of role playing games that will find a use for that. Um, and then I, this is the one I really thought was pretty cool. Campbell Heights, which, um, I suppose it's contemporary is the best way to describe it, but it's um, for kind of post-apocalyptic kind of stuff. Um, bins, tents, uh, like packaging boxes, vending machines. The vending machine looks super. Um, I think that's going to be really cool. I'm probably going to be having a little look at that for things like um, Fallout. Yeah. And... Uh, which is crikey, I, I do actually need to just bite the bullet and buy that box set um, before it goes gets ahead of me. Um, and finally, the one, the one that the first picture that I saw, which if if the miniature is anywhere near as detailed as the the, the computer mockup, um, Bellevue Square uh, is for role playing adventures, effectively for market day. Hospital, cottage, and peaceful park is what they've described it as. But the market stall with all of the food stuff on it is just blinding. It's absolutely brilliant. And the medicines cabinet, if the detail on the oh yeah on the box is as good as that, then um, I think that is fantastic. Really, really fantastic. They're the these train crates are about scatter, so they're about filling role playing boards and boards with scatter um and they're not expensive really for the amount of stuff that you get in there um and the first sets i've had we had a good old look through um when we were um at poor and the miniatures themselves were were really good quality for what they were charging them so i think these are great and i'm glad to see a second rave and i can't wait to see if they do more i like the wood you seen the, what, the, the uh, gloomy wood? Oh no! Yeah, that's cool. Just basic trees, but depending on what the price point is and what the actual size of them is when they come out. Well, it's all twenty-eight mil scale, isn't it? Yeah, but that—I mean—that is how long as a piece of string type thing, isn't it? Yeah, there's twenty-eight mil. There's twenty-eight mil. So, oh yeah, the gloom. Yeah, I like that. Mm. But there's only three days to go, so it's Sunday when we're recording this. So if you are listening to us the day it comes out and you want to get in on the quick start, you better move quick. Yeah. But, I mean, the stuff will come out anyway, and I'm sure will be a good a good price. Two trees more. Oh, look at that clothing rack. I mean, it's just ridiculous. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Survivor Stronghold. With a gun cabinet. Some of this stuff would be wicked for Outlands. Crystal Pig's camp. There's a camping chair and a barbecue. Oh, yes. Oh, look at the forklift truck. <laughs> oh, that's so good, isn't it? I'm really excited about it. I, really, I think that, especially if you're a role player, these um, 
these kind of little pieces of scatter are quite hard to get hold of. Yeah. Like the, the simple stuff. Like one of those is like a billboard thing that you put outside a shop. Yeah. <laughs> a peace, peaceful park has got like a tree stump in it and mushrooms, oh, mushrooms, but a sofa and a sink and a bath. You know, it's like a toilet. It's just to add those kind of little bits of detail. I mean, I was looking for things like a toilet for Fallout for weeks. I couldn't find anything. And there it is, all just in one in these kits. So, yeah, really looking forward to those. Um, well, what else are we going to do in this section, Dan? What's next? Scenics. We were just going to talk about scenics, scenics and scale yeah. and stuff, weren't we? So I had a look because we were discussing what scale uh, 28mm is. And the answer is, a lo- as long as a piece of string, again. <laughs> So basically, um, typically, the scale would be, I think it converts to, now, I did have a look, I'm gonna, I'll, sh- I'll put a link to this article, there was an article on the DACA DACA forums about it, and what it says is, um, 28mm is sometimes described as 1 to 56 scale, okay? Yep. Um, however, importantly, 40k and Fantasy uh, and uh, Age of Sigmar technically are not 28 mil all the time. They're, they're, you know, they can be sort of 28 mil heroic or 30 mil. You know, they are proportions of blo- uh, are different as well. Um, so, yeah. um, there we are. If you so, what they're suggesting is if you put a Games Workshop figure next to a 1 in 35 scale vehicle, it looks about right, although it is theoretically a much smaller scale. So there's a good table on here, but I think realistically it's just using what looks right. Um, Yeah. I mean, it gives you a ballpark, I suppose, doesn't it? But the reason this came up is I was saying, as I said earlier, I've spent a week looking at trains and that's involved going into model shops and stuff and seeing lots of different scenics and i've picked up a couple of catalogs and one is for um, a company called not uh, which is n-o-c-h and it just struck me what a wide range of things are available um mm. and i think and don't get me wrong i mean one of the great things about the games workshop range is that it's right there and there are people on hand to show you how to use it and um you know, they they talk about it in the magazine. So there's a lot of support for doing it. But I think if you just take a trip around the corner and pop into the local model store, you can find a wealth of things that you can use on bases. You know, some of the Woodland Scenic stuff for doing basing is, is incredible. Um, yeah, Woodland Scenics is, is um, one of my go-to brands, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I just think it's like, like worth looking at things like vines and stuff. We were talking about scenery. Yeah. If you want to do vines and, um, I know you were talking about different reasons for doing scenery, whether they be like diorama or. Yeah. So I've been watching a lot of Luke's APS over the last couple of weeks. Um, because the, the, the static grass on my board, I, I'd had enough of it. I, I spent the afternoon stripping it off the other day because it didn't look right and I was bothered by it. Um, 
so then I thought, well, why not just sit down um, and watch some of Luke's videos on how how to how he would do it? Um, and it came across from watching it that you, you, how you approach scenery is there's kind of three. I think there's three different schools. To be honest, I, I think there's the wargaming school and the model railway school. I think is the two big ones, and then sort of in the middle is sort of dioramas and um hyperreal if that makes if that, does that make sense mm-hmm. so the i don't always think that uh railway scenery looks very realistic um because for a number of reasons a lot of the time it's left and not painted properly um and i think it could do with a little bit more of attention on some of the buildings and often I find that it's a product that's just stuck on and then not much is done to do, right, to blend it in. Um, but there's an awful lot of products out there within railway stuff for doing textures without painting them. Does, am I making sense? Yeah. So just putting a gravel down and not doing anything with it. Um, and, the difference is that with 40k or sorry with wargaming scenery everything almost is everything is painted um whether it's stylized or trying to be as realistic as possible everything seems to be painted um and it, everything is more robust uh, it's designed to be th- used as a, a thing to play on around and with um and then in the middle i find that there's this kind of hyper-realism, I suppose in the middle it's kind of above the two in a way, where dioramas where people are spending hours getting like the smallest detail into the thing and, and I suppose what both sides are trying to do you know, the wargaming and the, the railway is be as close to the one in the middle as they possibly can, but achieving their two goals um, and I think there's a huge amount to learn from, you know, from our perspective as wargamers, from watching uh the guys making railway train um because my instinct is to paint everything but actually watching luke make a board he was using like a a gravel to make a path and he didn't paint it and i I would have left that straight away he left it it looked fantastic like absolutely fantastic um so it changed my mindset a little bit Hmm. um I'd be interested also, to watch that because my mind rebels against that concept. What, not painting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that he said when he was doing a river, which he painted, um, is that it was old school to paint the PVA on and then scatter the sand over the top. And I was like, all right, okay. And then as I watched a few more of his videos, he uses texture paint a lot for wargaming stuff. But... When he's doing like the diorama stuff and the the, more, the 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 railway stuff, he will put down a flock and then he will pipette, yeah, watered down PVA on top of it, yeah, um, to stick it on and then he'll spray. Well, he'll spray the board with that like, watered down PVA and then put the flock on and then pipette over the top of it if it's going to be for wargaming or just spray again if it's going to be for. He's using a lot of isopropanol and things like that to really soak the stuff in, so it adhered. I saw that gravel path. He just put the gravel in, sort of blended it in, and then pipetted the glue on top, and it wouldn't go in anywhere. Yeah, so that's um, that's yeah, that's like um, 
so all the, the ballasting and stuff on railways that's what they do i think model railways is just like um it's the same as um the game switch probably in as much as there are people at all ends of the spectrum of ability um, yeah and what can be really interesting is going along so we've got in thornbury there's a big model railway show um, yeah, and going yeah. along and seeing what's on display, and some of it I see, and and I'm, and I'm a little bit dismissive of. Um, although you know, at the end of the day, that's what that person wanted to create, and that's great for them. But some of it is just flipping unbelievable. Um, in uh, you know, you see these pictures taken at a certain level that you can't tell whether it's real or not. Yeah, um, which is amazing. I think the key thing is is to use products that are suitable for the purpose that you want to use the thing for. So um, be careful because typically um, model railway products are not handled a great deal once they are in place, um, whereas wargaming products will be handled all the time. Yeah. Um, so you you have and you have to bear that in mind. It's there's really little point putting in loads of effort creating a really detailed scene on a piece of terrain that you're going to pick up and move around all the time because it's going to get damaged. Um, and it will yeah. get damaged. Whatever you try and do, it will get damaged because it somebody will roll a dice into it or something like that. Um, yeah, just a bit of a thought on it anyway. I mean, a really good example is I, I made all of my trees using the Woodland Scenic stuff. And the product that they recommended, or was on the packet, was called Hobby Tack, um, which was in a pot like copy decks. And you painted it on and it said, let it go dry till it's gone see-through. And then just push the clump foliage onto it and it'll stick. I thought, okay, that's interesting. and I wonder if it cures any more after that. It doesn't. It's still tacky now. Um, and it's all falling off. It's fallen off because I use it as war games terrain and it gets bashed about. Um, it's, the, it's a product that is clearly designed for, you know, the, the model, model railway trees yeah. rather than, than, the, so one of the things I'll go back and do in later day is to glue the crap out of them so that the stuff isn't coming off. Um, that's a future bone problem, um, rather than a current bone problem. <laughs> so there we go um, is there anything else that's caught our eye in the greater world of, of wargaming don't think so I don't think so it's hard enough just keeping up with one yeah so um, end of episode 40 thank you very much if you stuck with us all the way through it um, huge thank you to our patrons um it means an awful lot to us that you support us. Um, we wish we had the uh, the time to do something special for you guys, but um, we are we are firm believers that having a paywall for our content isn't isn't what we were looking for. It's about being a community thing that everyone can access. Um, but the patrons help us to do that, and that's really a big deal for us. So thank you very much. Um, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at, at the Two Peas Podcast. Um, you can find us on YouTube, some random thing at the top that is almost unmemorable, but we're there as the Two Peas Podcast. If you search for us, we do come up. 
believe it or not. <laughs> and <laughs> and of course we're on Podbean and um, iTunes primarily, which is for where you want to listen to us. You probably already have if you found us here, but if you were you know, an iTunes listener and you fancied listening to us through Podbean on your phone or something, then that's there too. So thank you very much. And um, uh, I've got an exciting... Well, we've got an exciting couple of weeks ahead of us. I'm going up to see Tommy Saul, which I'm super looking forward to because the guy's a legend, um, next weekend. And then the following weekend, we've got Warhammer World... Um, and we'll be recording from there. So it's, it's an exciting two weeks. So look out for episode 41. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. But cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. And we'll see you soon. Bye.